Welcome to the Ngachi Trust Podcast with your host, Kitri Cooper. We are back with another week of Romans, but before we get into that, um, sorry, I kind of sound like a like a person who smokes a lot. Um, I had a dance competition this last weekend, and of course, cheering for my dancers, I like kind of blew out my vocal cords, so I kind of sound like Phoebe Buffay a little bit, you know, on that one episode where she's like really, really sick, and she thinks she sounds really sexy. Um, all that. So I kind of have like a little bit of that, uh, Phoebe Buffay sexy voice going on, but I mean, <clears throat> it's lots of fun. And I also have like got some stupid allergies starting. So sorry if you hear me sniffle or all that stuff, but, um, thank you for listening in once again. It was a lot of fun. Um, doing like these last couple weeks and these last couple chapters in Romans. And, um, I just want to say thank you all for, um, for the support for, for those of you who give to the cash app, if you feel ever so inclined and, you know, just for going on this journey with me and, you know, we're, we're learning together. I'm never going to be perfect at something. And, um, you know, disclaimer that I feel like I have to put out there is like we don't always have to agree on everything and there's going to be stuff I say on on this platform that you might not agree with me with um or I might you know believe something that you don't necessarily agree with um or you don't necessarily believe it in that way and that's the beauty of it is because we get to grow together and we get to kind of learn we get just to learn together and we just get to have the Holy Spirit be in the midst of it and to his, him be the glory. Um, because I am just a regular, regular girl, just trying to be obedient to the Lord and do her, do her thing. So we're not always going to agree on stuff and that's completely fine. I say this because I know that last week's episode, um, or not last week's episode, two weeks ago, um, on the one in speaking in, speaking in tongues, is is probably surprised a lot of people that I had that viewpoint, and a lot of people probably did not agree with me, and I pro- I bet you know a lot of people um, were not super happy that I released an episode like that. Maybe some people were. I really don't know. However, you felt about it. Um, it is one of those things that's kind of controversial in the church and, you know, there's been like, I mean, we've had like churches split over that, you know what I mean? So, um, once again, just because I believe something differently than you means we can still be friends just because I, you know, believe in speaking in tongues is real and you might not, and you think it's stupid or I might be making it up. We can still be friends. You know what I mean? So my, my thing is the Lord told me to talk about it. I obeyed and it's not my job to make everyone believe what I believe. I'm only doing and I'm only talking about what I feel like the Lord is telling me to teach on or talk on or just, you know, bring up in conversation. And he gets to do the rest of the work. I just get to plant the seed. I just get to bring up the conversation. And then he gets to do the rest. It ain't all me. Um, but yeah, if you disagree with me ever, I still love you and we can still be friends. It's going to be great. So let's move on into... Romans 6. Now, y'all, this is probably my one of either my favorite or one of my favorite chapters in Romans, right? Just um just the chapter alone could be 
just an entire sermon. If you just read the chapter, close it, like there's enough rich stuff in it that it like, it, it could just be its own sermon. It really could. It is so good and it is so rich and it is so deep. Um, but of course we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it and, you know, kind of give my thoughts on it and it's going to be good. So once again, we are continuing on with Romans and we're in Romans six this week. And of course, like every other week, I've been reading it out of the new living translation, but you can read out of whatever translation you want or version. I really don't care. Let's just be in the Bible together. So I'm going to start reading and we're just going to go for it. Romans six, starting in verse one. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Everyone knew that. Okay. So I was talking to myself. All right. So it says, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the father. Now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we should, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our life. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank you, God. Excuse me. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which never, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo. Paul is so good. He is so good, y'all. Okay. So Paul starts off this almost said episode again, chapter, 
I mean, I, I guess it could be an episode. I mean, this is an episode podcast. Kidry, shut up. Okay. Um, so, so he starts off with a question. Do you guys remember in grade school when we were about like, I don't know, second or third grade, something like that. And your teacher was telling you how to like write a book report or a research paper. And your teacher said that you can like start it with a question and it kind of grabs your audience and stuff. And with that question, it kind of sets the tone and the information that's going to be given for the rest of the paper. Well, um, Paul and I must have had like the same third grade teacher because I believe that's exactly what he did here in chapter six. Back in chapter, chapter five, we saw kind of a tonal shift in his writing to the believers in Romans. He kind of went from a a darker, more ominous tone to a brighter and lighter tone where he kind of talked about the benefits of being in Christ and what we have in Christ. And that was just like the bright shining moment, right? It was just like the, you know, the silver lining, which is literally what the episode is called. Um, But in this chapter, has a lighter tone, but it does still have a more serious note to it. In my opinion, like I stated before, it's one of the best chapters in Romans. And Paul starts introducing the answer to an age-long excuse for sin, one that I even personally used myself for a very long time. Um, And that question is, if Jesus has saved us and loves us, that means I can still do whatever I want, and he'll still forgive me. So let's, you know, kind of dive a little bit deeper into this. And let's kind of answer that question. So in chapter 5, we saw in verse 21 that it said, So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules it instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting it in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then Paul pretty much knew their, like hit what his audience was going to kind of clap back with, right? Well, well, that means we can still sin to do whatever we want because we just get to show God's grace ever the more. And that's amazing. And love and forgiveness will cover it in his grace. And yeah, grace, 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 right? He'll forgive me no matter what. And then Paul just is like, no, I'm going to shut that down. And so when he says, of course not. Um, other translations say absolutely not. If you kind of look into like the original Greek, it it's literally kind of him going, um, uh, no way, or for heaven's sake, no. Kind of like almost like insert a little bit of an eye roll. Like, are you kidding? Like, really? That's that's what you want to go through? So that's kind of like in the Greek, if you look at it, I can't pronounce it, but um, it pretty much says, absolutely not, or by no means, or for heaven's sake, no, just kind of that idea. And so I kind of, I kind of see Paul saying this in the way my mom would answer me. Like if I asked a really dumb question, like a deep emotionalist, like, no, like kind of look at me like, are you, are you playing dumb or are you being dumb for real? You know, that's kind of how I see Paul answering this. And then Yet he asks another pointed question in verse three by, by saying, don't you know when you have been baptized in Christ, meaning salvation, that we were then baptized with him in his death? Here, he's meaning our previous self, our old way of life has now died alongside Christ. He died for us. And when we accept him, not just as savior, but as Lord, we acknowledge that he died for us, which means now we have to die for him. Not in the literal meaning of physical death, just so you know. Please 
that's not I'm not meaning it in the literal way okay um yeah or martyring ourselves or anything but killing our old sinful gross disgusting lustful greedy evil selfish whatever other negative word you want to throw in there we now have to die to that and that death does not just happen once on the day that we become saved I have to kill my flesh daily. I have to kill myself daily. It is a daily death because as long as we are living in this body, my pastor calls it the earth suit, (laughs) right? We will always have to fight our flesh and our evil sinful desires that do not agree with scripture. Christ and God now calls us to live. And that's something that's really, really hard. You know, and I, I shared something. Um, I shared something on the Facebook page um, that I thought was really good. And it said something along the lines of, um, what was it? It was something like, um, we want to believe in Jesus's, Jesus's salvation, but we don't want to believe in Jesus's ways or some, something I'm totally butchering it now and I kind of want to go find it. But it was it was something along those lines and it's like we want him as savior but we don't want him as lord. You have to take both the S and the L. Both savior and lord, you know, and um I was listening to the basement with Tim Ross today and he said, you know, everyone likes a savior, that's why we keep making like a billion Marvel movies. <laughs> but um when it comes down to making him Lord, we don't like it because that means we actually like might have to give up control over something, or we actually just might have to give up something altogether, you know? And, um, there's the, the scripture where it says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's like, you want to do good, you know, you should do good, but the flesh just doesn't want to you know, or the flesh just wants to pull you away from God. But in, in order to be made righteous and in order to be made holy and in order to live again, you have to die to that self because we were not created for ourselves. We were created for him. We were not created for ourselves. We were created for him. And so everything that we do with our body is supposed to glorify him. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but by being baptized in Christ's death frees us free free I can't talk. Frees us from sin and slavery of sin. And the beauty of dying with Christ is that we get to be raised in the newness of life which is with him also. which is exactly what we see in this chapter in verse four, where it says, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father, now we also may live new lives. And since in, and then in uh, verse five, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over us. Sin lost its power the day Christ died. 
it lost its power over anyone who wanted to die with Christ. He's not just going to make you die to yourself and then everything is about death and he's just going to be a fun sucker. You know what I mean? You get to be reborn. You get to live a brand new life. You get to be remolded and shaped into a brand new creation and a brand new person. And you'll start to see that in Christ, you're actually free. And you're free because you have limits. Let's talk about that. A lot of times we think that true freedom is getting to do whatever we want. That ain't it, fam. That ain't it. Because we are starting to see in society what happens when you let people do whatever they want without consequence. That's why we have abortion. Eek. I didn't know I was going to go there. And I am not talking about um, abortions that are medically necessary to save the mother's life. I am not talking about that. I am talking about abortions that are used as birth control because we wanted to go out, get super drunk, sleep with someone random and accidentally end up pregnant two months later. And that just, oh, I can't accept that. I consented to sex, but I didn't consent to getting pregnant. So I'm going to kill another person because I don't, I want to be able to do what I want, but I don't want the consequences of my actions. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. We don't get to dictate that. If you go and you rob a bank by that same idea, well, I consented to getting the money and robbing the bank, but I didn't consent to getting arrested. The arrested part comes with robbing a bank. That getting caught and getting in trouble and having a consequence comes with robbing a bank. And if you're listening to me and you've, you've used an abortion as a, as a birth control, I'm not trying to shame. I'm not trying to condone or, excuse me, to condemn. Because there's, there's restoration in that. You can experience freedom. And Christ, if you, if, you know, just you know, repent and he, he'll forgive you and turn your life to him. There is, for there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I was just giving an example Our culture loves to be able to do what we want to do, but we don't want to have the consequences for it. That's not freedom. That is a recipe for the devil to make you his ultimate warrior. I I came across this one um, pastor. I cannot remember his name, but I've I've been following him on Facebook, or not Facebook, Instagram, and I really, really like him. And he says, the devil doesn't just you know, present you with a bunch of chains, you know, because it says in here that slavery is sin or excuse me, sin is slavery. And he doesn't just come to you with like these huge long chains and say, yeah, I want to, I want to put you in chains and I want to make you addicted to drugs. And I want you to do this and I'm going to make you do this. And I'm going to make your life so miserable and you're going to hate yourself and you're going to be depressed and you're going to want to commit suicide and you're going to want to do this and go ahead and put them on. He doesn't do that. And then the pastor went on to, to, to just bring out a link. And he says, what he does do is he offers you a link. And that, that chain link, that one single link, is a choice that he gives you to make. And if you take that link, that bad choice or that wrong choice, he gives you the chains and makes you put them on yourself. 
And I thought that was just, I had never thought of it that before that way. He says he, he, he offers you choices and then he makes you put the chains on yourself. So when Christ died for you and you accepted him as savior and as Lord, and you are willing to die to yourself to live for him, you also get to be reborn and you get to live a brand new life and you get to be remolded and reshaped into a brand new thing. That is true freedom. And in that freedom, that's going to be the Holy Spirit saying, you don't get to listen to that anymore. I don't want you to do that. Don't go on that date with him. Throw out your Harry Potter movies. Cover up your witchcraft tattoo. Don't be looking at horoscopes. Don't be talking to that person. It, it comes in the forms of boundaries because he sees more than we do. I say a billion times it feels like we, are, we probably see one, maybe two things, but he sees everything. So if he's telling you, you don't get to do that anymore, or you don't get to do this, or I'm, I don't want you to go there, it's because that he sees a different path that could lead you back into darkness, and he doesn't want that for you, or he's protecting you from something. In Christ, there's true freedom. You no longer have shame. You no longer have guilt and sin shackled to you. You get a clean slate. And with that clean slate, you get a God who will write your story to show beauty out of ashes, graves into gardens, sin into righteousness, and so on. He's not just going to wipe your slate clean and then look at you and be like, all right, kid, good luck. Don't mess it up this time. Just go figure it out. Be like, I did that last time and it didn't work. You know what I mean? No, he's going to walk with you in making you righteous and making you holy before him because he puts you so closely identified with Christ Jesus himself that because of what Jesus did on the cross, Jesus's blood blankets you and then God gives you credit for what Jesus did pretty much. But Paul is telling us that it is not a get out of hell free card. But it is an actual inward heart transformation. We should not continue to be the same person we were before. We might still have some bad habits that is going to take us a while to get rid of. When I gave my life fully, to Christ, I still looked the same, I still talked the same, I still wore the same clothes, I still had the same, you know, daily routine, but inwardly I was not the same. And then if I had a setback or a slip up, I was convicted more in a way than I never was before. And then I started realizing, oh, this doesn't feel as good as it used to anymore. I feel really crappy when I do this. And so little by little, those, those things changed. It, it wasn't a drastic thing for me, but it took time and that's okay. But you are never the same from the moment you accept Christ because the Holy Spirit then dwells in you 
And he's going to make you righteous. He's going to make you holy. You just have to choose to accept that and listen to it and die to yourself. Now, I'm not saying I obey God perfectly right off the bat. I don't. Sometimes I still like to argue with him or kind of delay. I'm not perfect. But I listen to him a lot more now and a lot quicker now because I know he sees things that I don't. And I know that when he tells me that I can or cannot do something and he puts those boundaries on my life, it is because he wants the ultimate best thing for me. My way has never worked out. I'm, I'm not the same person I was two years ago. Christ did not die on the cross for the bad behavior to continue or for that, for that crucifixion to just be taken advantage of and taken for granted. It might not be radical. It might not be an instant transformation. Like I said, it might take time, but there are certain things that you used to do that when you were in the world without Christ. And now there might be that inward prompting that you, you can't do that anymore. You might tell off the lady at the grocery store in line that, and then you have to go back and apologize because the Holy Spirit told you to, but you know, before you could do that and just leave or you lose it on your husband and you have to apologize when you don't feel like you should, or you might watch certain movies and listen to certain types of music. And now there's this feeling you get in the pit of your stomach that all of a sudden it's wrong, but you don't exactly know why. I had it happen a lot when I repented and it never ends. There's certain things that I'll start saying or I'll start doing or watching and I get that little prompting. It, it is a constant thing. It's not going to end until either Christ comes back or I, I go to be with the Lord. I still have guidance from the Holy Spirit on what to do and what not to do because he sees everything. And Christ is our role model for us. So in Romans, when he says that he submitted himself to death and he lived fully for God and he was raised back to life again, we get to share in that. Everything we do should be taken from Christ as our example. If the king of the world, the ultimate perfect one, lived a life as a servant, giving everything to God, obeying God in everything, we should do the same. But what's amazing is that we get to choose freely. And in living this life, we fall in love with God so fully. I, have, I can honestly say that I have never loved God more. And it just continues to grow. Because when you're in your Bible daily, when you have a good, strong prayer life, you get to see his character, and it's breathtaking. And so when trials and tribulations hit you, it's going to be easier for you to say, but I serve a God who is bigger. Even though it doesn't look good right now, he still is faithful because you get to see what he did to Israel. You get to see what he did with David. You get to see what he did with Mary. You get to see what he did with Joseph. You get to see what he did with Paul. You get to see what he did with Jesus, with Abraham. Name any character. You get to see his righteousness and his faithfulness throughout them when you are in your word. 
So you get to fall in love with him. And so as Paul says in verse 11, you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. You are no longer dead and you no longer will have eternal separation from God because ultimately that's what hell is. It is eternal separation from God and torture. In life, we're shackled and enslaved to sin. And that just continues in hell, but with the heat turned up, that was a dark joke. <laughs> Sorry. But it's true. It just continues in hell, but it is way worse. But in Christ, if we, if we, are, no long, if we are no longer dead to sin, we are free for him and for all eternity. And if you've made that decision to follow Jesus, that no longer means you have to bend to sin like you did to like that, that, you, that you did before Christ. Before Christ, you didn't know. You were ignorant. And I'm not meaning that in a bad way, but you can't fix what you don't know. But now that you are in Christ, you're now going to be more aware of your sin. But you now have the power over it. Yeah, Paul said that we were dead to sin, but that doesn't mean that sin will still leave our bodies like some weird exorcism. It means that we no longer have to be a slave to it. We have the power over sin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us into righteousness and away from sinning. We don't lose the desire to sin. We're still human. We're still flesh. We're still broken. But we now have the power from Christ to rule over it. And the Holy Spirit will give you his strength in order to do that because on your strength, you can't do it. But it is him who lives in you that makes you more than able. In verse 13, we see that Paul explains more that on, you know, that our bodies are God's and we should use our body for God and not for sin or evil desires, which means we have to kill our flesh and die to ourselves for God. In verse 14, he kind of hit hints back to, you know, the, the previous chapters that we're not under the law, but under grace. So once again, he's hitting that you can't earn your salvation, but you're given it freely. And there's an argument out there in the world that if you just live a really good life and you're a really good person, that God will just let you into heaven and he'll just have mercy on you. And you just have to be a good and decent person. No, that ain't it. I'm sorry, that ain't it. That is a lie from the devil himself. If Mother Teresa did everything she did, but she did it without a heart given to Christ, she would not be in heaven. The only way to God and into heaven is through faith and believe in Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me, period. There is no other option. There's no other option. And some Christians Christians will just argue that we're allowed to sin to just show God's grace. And Paul once again shut that down in verse 15, saying once again, absolutely not. Our freedom from sin should cause us to push sin away, not bring it closer. The closer we are to sin, the further away from Jesus we become. Ooh, that was the Holy Spirit. The closer we are to sin, 
the further away from Jesus we become. When I was living the lukewarm life and sinning, saying Christ will just forgive me, I was getting further and further away from him. I was taking those chain links that the devil was giving me and I was binding myself. But I thought I was a Christian. But I called myself a Christian. I was planting seeds in people's heads that you can look like the world and still be a Christian too. There's a lie out there that says that Jesus accepts you just as you are, and that is also a lie from the devil, because if he accepted you just as you are, he would not have needed to go to the cross. He went to the cross because he does not accept you as you are. He loves you where you are at, but he pushes you to become like himself. And I want to read verses 16 through 23 again. It says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So whatever you choose to do, whatever you choose to follow, you will become a product of that. If you want to be a slave to sin, you will become a product of sin. If you want to be a slave to righteousness, you will become a product of righteousness. And then it says in verse 17, thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Notice it says wholeheartedly obey, not part heartedly. I don't even know if that's a word. It's obedience from the heart, but it's from the heart, which means the heart changes, not just the behavior. How does your heart change? By allowing yourself to be loved by Jesus, reading his word and obeying everything in the Bible and not just picking and choosing what you like and leaving out what you don't like. That includes everything. Not just going, oh, that that doesn't mean that. Oh, that was, that was just for, for the old church. You know, things are different today. We get to, no. His word is everlasting. It says in John that my words will never pass away. Which means if he meant them then, he means them now. And he's pretty much saying, serve the right master. You are a slave to the one you obey, sin or Christ. Sin leads to death, but Christ leads to life. It says in verse 19, because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using this illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, which never, excuse me, which led ever deeper into sin. Lawlessness means just doing whatever you want. But he says, now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you'll become holy. Once again, it's not an option. You either get sin or you get to be given over to righteous living. And then I love it. I love it in verse 20 and 21. It says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? He was pretty much saying, like, how'd that work out for you? Like, oh, yeah, you got to do whatever you want. How'd that work out for you? 
oh, don't let me, don't, I don't want to go there right now, Holy Spirit. He says, how's living with your boyfriend? How's that working out for you? You got a ring yet? Oh, that hurt coming out. He's like, how's it working out for you? You're four years in. You got that ring yet? You've been living together for four years, but you ain't got that ring and he promised it to you. So how's it working out for you? How's that uh, cocaine working out for you? You need more of it now in order to do the job it used to do back when you first started. How's that working out for you? You're slave to it now. I'm just saying what I'm hearing. That's all. I'm, these are these are strong words, but this is what I'm hearing him say. The friends you smoke weed with aren't your friends if you actually don't smoke weed. How's that working out for you? That's what Paul is saying here. He says, you are now ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. All those things don't lead to anything good. They lead to, become, to you becoming more broken. But now you are free from the power of sin and you have become slaves of God. And he is the best slave master because he gives you freedom. He gives you freedom. Sin only produces fruit of death. When you are in sin, you are only ignorant to the things of righteousness. And you could sin without knowledge or conviction because you just didn't know any better. Which means if you're a good person, but you're not in Christ, you're still a slave to sin. And you don't have a moral high ground or you can't be morally independent. You have been set free. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, and it's free. And I love how it says for the wages of sin is death. Which means there's a price to pay. And death is that price. If you want to live in sin, that's fine. You can do that, but you're going to pay the ultimate penalty, which is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. And that is the worst death. But it says, but the free gift, which means there's no payment. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay anything. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And not just eternal life, good And true eternal life. In Christ you will be the freest and most joyful you could ever be. Yes, you will still have suffering because we are still in this earth suit. We are still on this earth. It it literally says you will still have trials. But take heart. Because there is joy for those who are in Christ Jesus. Point blank period. I'm going to stop there. I feel like that's enough said. Y'all, I love you. Have a great week, and I will be talking to y'all next time. See you later.